Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts. Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go. Hey guys, we are so excited to bring our last and final guest of our conversion series, Austin, or the basic Catholic, as he is known to people around the globe and has made a name for himself with his outspoken nature and willingness to tackle some of our heaviest issues on his Instagram account, the basic Catholic. Austin, welcome to Unraveled Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, Austin. Thanks for being here with us. I feel like we need to be having a coffee all together in the same room, but we're all over the place, all different time zones. And this was such a treat to have you on. We've had Austin on before, but this was at the beginning of Unraveled Days. And so we're so excited to hear about your conversion story. Oh, my goodness. Austin, where do we begin? Where, what were the first days um, when you were coming into your faith? It all started on a Tuesday morning at 7. No, I'm kidding. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> it, it, it really started in earnest in high school, actually. Um, I worked at a, at a place in high school where, and I've talked about this before, but it started in high school. I happened to be at a Catholic church, I think when I was a junior in high school. And the moment I walked into this building, this church, and I had been in other churches, I think, at that point, but I walked in and I still remember St. Mary's uh, Catholic Church in Rock Island, Illinois. I walked in and I truly felt God's presence in a way that I never had experienced before and in a way that actually was very difficult to explain as well. Wow. I think it's hard, like hearing that, it's like I can imagine that happening. And I've heard, Ken's and I have heard what you said with a lot of converts who have talked to us that even just walking into a Catholic church kind of like breathes this presence that they've never felt before. I think that the hard part, the challenge of being a cradle Catholic that I think we will have to work at for probably the rest of our lives is like, we've always been given the opportunity to walk into the sanctuary, to be in the presence. And I think a lot of Catholics take that feeling for granted. Whereas if you were somewhere else and maybe didn't always feel that feeling, you do feel a difference when you walk into a church that has reverence, that has sacred art, that has all of these things. So I'm glad that you touched on that because it reminds me that like, I need a deeper appreciation when I walk into into our churches, into these sacred spaces. Um, be, just because we've had it our whole lives doesn't mean that we can't always renew our appreciation for that. No, absolutely. And I think for me, uh, again, it's funny because obviously I've had a long time to look at this and, and discuss it and had uh, many different platforms over the years to to really kind of dig deeper. There was no like voices in my head per se I just remember walking in and looking back I've been back to the church a number of times over my life and I think it used to be a beautiful church but it's your typical American church that's been whitewashed for a lot of it but there was definitely something different and the thing that I always point out to is I didn't know about the true presence I didn't know about the the tabernacle I didn't know about any of those things and it wasn't necessarily even the architecture it was I truly believe it was the the understanding and the, the 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 deep down uh, feeling of of closeness and connectivity to the to the divine uh, in the uh, the sacrament of the Eucharist. That's awesome. I feel like this Easter is a a time when, like B was saying, the um, cradle Catholics can come back to that same. I don't want to say feeling, but that same understanding of the real presence. Because 
I feel that Easter is uh, even more celebrated than Christmas in the church with the Triduum and the Holy Week and all of the special devotions. So that that's what that reminded me of. That's so beautiful, Austin. And what happened after that? Well, so I, I told my mother, my stepfather, that I thought I wanted to be Catholic. And my mother, of course, said, that's not happening. Uh, what are you talking about? And, I, and the funny thing, again, looking back, I didn't know what it was to, quote, be Catholic. I was born Jewish. I was it was it was mostly just ethnic uh, connections. There was no like we didn't really practice Judaism much. Um, but I being Jewish was just something I was born into. It wasn't something I, quote, unquote, chose. Um, and so I didn't know what that was to 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 become Catholic or if you could become Catholic, if you're just born Catholic or you weren't. Um, and that was just something that I felt this this desire and this yearning for throughout high school. And I remember I went to a large public high school and I would spend time in the in the library at the school. And the only books I could find in my public school about the Catholic church was about like the Vatican archives and the different relics of historical pieces and artifacts that they had possession of and things like that. It was nothing about theology or mm-hmm. Catholic beliefs. It was just on the, 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 the historical nature of the Vatican itself. And I, I was so fascinated by it. I was so drawn to it. And then to, I've told this story many times, but, and then I went into the Navy and I went to boot camp. And in boot camp, if you went to mass on Sundays, you got out of drills that day. <laughs> and my honest answer is I, I started going to mass for the first time in my life because I wanted to get out of showering with 80 dudes one day a week. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, on Sunday mornings, if you went to mass, you got to get up with everybody else, obviously at 4 a.m. But then when the, that one day of just relaxation was quite nice. Um, I don't remember, and this is kind of a weird point, but I don't remember receiving the Eucharist. I don't remember, obviously, I don't even know if I would have had the wherewithal to understand exactly what was happening there. And, I, and I'm almost certain that I probably received communion. I, I don't know that they would have made an announcement. I don't know that mm-hmm. I would have been told. I, mm-hmm. I, I, ver- I very well could have received First Communion at the, the chapel on uh, uh, Naval uh, Recruit Training Command on Great Lakes, Illinois, but mm. I don't know. So interesting. I love how God uses anything he needs to get you there. Well, you'll get out of boot camp if you come. <laughs> yeah. Did you start to feel, um, did you start to have like a deeper yearning at the masses, Austin, or was it like a person years later or what made you like really take the jump into RCIA? I don't, well, so I, I went, and then I went to, my next time I remember going to anything Catholic was when I was at my school, my A school down in Mississippi, Naval Air Station, Meridian, Mississippi. And it was there, I'm pretty certain, I only went one time, but I do remember going to the Ash Wednesday Mass. And, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And I don't know why I went, but, and then when I went to my duty station, I, I kind of, I honestly fell away from it, but I would go to Mass with a friend of mine, Jeff. He was dating a girl who was Catholic and she wanted him to convert it. They were going to get married and him and I would go to masses every once. So it wasn't every week, but we'd definitely go every once in a while together. And ironically enough, we loved, so this is something funny. Anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty Orthodox, pretty conservative when it comes to the church and liturgical practices and those things. The two things, and I don't ever, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. My song, there was a, my life has always had some type of music associated with it. There was a song that I really felt connected to during this process in my life. 
Uh, and I'm embarrassed to say it now because I hate this song now, and I think it should be completely disbanded and never played again. <laughs> and and to my knowledge, the composer also agrees with me. Uh, but the song that really affected me and really kind of uh, drew me to the church in some ways was the song On Eagle's Wings. I knew you were going to Yes. Yes. But uh, why why fight it, Austin? And this is something it's a we'll horrible probably always song. disagree it's on. Not, but... not the, well, you and I have many discussions when it comes to things, but <laughs> it is it is uh, uh, Junkus who wrote the song has even I think it's Junkus that said it. He's even said that he wishes he didn't write it. <laughs> good thing, just because I loved it. Loving something does not equate to being a good thing for me. Well, uh, I don't know why I liked it. There was something about just like I don't know. There was something in the imagery, maybe I don't know. It's, it's, so a, it's an okay tune, but um, okay. So you so you started to like the music, the liturgies, and then I guess fast forward because we want to get to the really good part where you you obviously convert, but then you've had a huge impact on young people in the church and everything. Um, so you know we want to get to that part. Um, but so you so what made you ultimately enter the church and then go to seminary? Well, ironically enough, I have I started RSA two different times. Uh, once on base and once at the the parish out in town at uh, Our Lady of, or excuse me, uh, Infant of Prague Parish in Jackson, oh, North Carolina. I went there. That's a good one. Yeah, and I remember I walked in one day and the priest was smoking outside before mass. I remember again not being Catholic and very young and dumb. <laughs> I remember thinking like that seems weird, but uh, um, yeah, I I started RSA both times and quit both years uh, because for me. I was someone coming in with lots of questions, things like that. And RCA, at least in the military town, was a lot of people just getting married into the church. And so they needed to get the sacraments. And they didn't. there didn't seem to be a lot of people that had the same uh, questions and or convictions that I did coming in. And so I just didn't find it rewarding. And I didn't find it was really answering my questions to say, yes, I want to be Catholic. Um, it wasn't until a priest named Father Aidan Logan, who was a chaplain on the was the catholic chaplain on the base at camp lejeune he said well you know we can just meet one-on-one -on -one. and so i started doing direction with him i, I think rather relatively regularly probably once a week uh, at his office and that was where it was excuse me life changing uh it was something that really he was able to answer a lot of my questions he's a, he was a, he's a cistercian monk a very serious guy but something i really appreciated with him was his candor and, and directness um, and so, yeah, I, I did one-on-one -on -one RCA with him, and I entered the church uh, at the Easter Vigil. So today, liturgically, 17 years ago, to, or no, 18 years ago today. Or no, mm -hmm. wait, is that 19 years ago? 19 years ago today. Holy cow. 19 years ago today. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm only 26, so it's really hard to figure all that stuff out. And Yeah, you're you know, so young. <laughs> oh, Austin, that's so cool. And then... What prompted you to start a ministry um, or a last on Instagram to bring ca the Catholic community together? I mean, B and I know you to have thousands of friends and someone who just connects others so well. And Bridge and I love to do that with our retreats. And so I think we all just, you know, could learn from how you've started that with your Instagram. Well, I think the thing to remember about my Instagram account is the fact that it was never something intentional. That's the thing that's so funny about it all. I guess that's how the best things in life work is unintended uh, uh, outcomes. I I tried, I was in seminary at the time, but we can get into some of those things. I was in seminary at the time, 
back in 2018. I knew that I wanted to have you know, an Instagram account. I had an Instagram account, but I really didn't use it much. And I thought it'd be funny to change the name instead of using my actual name, just say the basic Catholic. And originally I wanted the hipster Catholic, but it was taken. And oh, I can't guy, even imagine that. No. You were such the basic the Catholic. Basic. Thank goodness it was taken. And I, uh, God's plan had and everything, but um, yeah, I wanted I wanted the hipster Catholic, and the guy had taken it already. So I'm like, well, that's not fun. So then I'm like, well, what else could be? Well, my sister Natasha, one of my sisters, she always would call me basic because I liked Starbucks and uh, not anymore, but Starbucks at the time and uh, North Face and stuff like that. So I decided to call it the basic Catholic, and at the time, the basic Catholic was taken, mm-hmm. so I had to do the dot basic dot catholic and it wasn't until like a year or two later someone the per, the account that had it like got rid of it so i finally was able to have one name but yeah i did it as a fun joke i had like 1200 followers my friends and family and uh, in the summer of 2018 i went to rome for studies on a program called the rome experience with opus day um a program for seminarians around the country and it was there i wasn't selected to do this uh, another person was but i started just kind of highlighting my trip and things I was experiencing doing uh, in a, the typical fashion for my life. I was able to do a lot of really cool stuff that someone of my background should not be able to do. Uh, and people started following along. And I, I just I just started noticing an uptick with people clicking on. And I, I was confused at first what was happening, but there was definitely a, a yearning for it. And left that summer for the trip with 1,200 followers. And I came back with roughly 30,000. Austin, can you give an example for people listening of like, what is something that you would post like behind the scenes? I know you in seminary were around like bishops and cardinals. Can you give some examples of like kind of what spoke to people? Yeah. I mean, one of the highlights I think for me on that trip, let alone what I posted was I did a whole like teasing out thing. Again, this is for my friends. This wasn't something like, if I do this, more people, it was more just like, this is funny, but I bought a Zucchetto. Uh, I'd had, I had had dinner a couple days before with Cardinal Burke. So I went and bought a Zucchetto his size at the place, excuse me, at the place that he gets his vestments from. And then I teased out the video. I was like, you know, this, this video of me with this bag from this well-known uh, liturgical clothing store. And I just took this bag on this trip around Rome. And then I ended up at the building. I was teasing out like, who am I meeting with? And of course, then it was Cardinal Burke. Um, but like I was doing behind the scenes thing, like talking, I was getting Cardinal uh, Seurat to say, you know, a little blessing and mm. a couple of the Cardinals. Uh, there was a Cardinal, they called him Cardinal Santa Claus because he's got white hair, but he's from Pakistan. Um, I got to be, excuse me, with him when he was made uh, a Cardinal at the consistory then. I got to go to the consistory and be behind the scenes and be, so stuff like that, I guess. And people just started following. But I, I always tell people like, it wasn't, like I, I took off quote unquote, and then people started following. I think once I got over a certain number, you almost get credibility for it. So people see that account and they're willing to follow along more. Does that make sense? I think, yeah, it's that for sure. But I also think that you humanized um, clergy in a way that not a lot of other people do, maybe because they're nervous around cardinals or bishops, but you know, your personality is very much like, 
I'm just going to go for it. And like, I've seen you do that, you know, with like Catholic speakers at events and things like that. And so I think in a way too, it was also partially your personality and your gift to just be like, these are people and I know that they will be a gift to these followers if I can get them to share a word or something inspirational about the church or the future of the church. And and so I think it was probably also people seeing these um, cardinals and these bishops in a way that they maybe have never seen before, because a lot of times they're very buttoned up in these diocesan videos, you know, and these Vatican videos. And I think you kind of totally shattered that and said, Hey, I'm just going to do a selfie video with this, with this priest right now. Yeah. And again, I, looking back, I probably shouldn't have done those things because who am I? I was just a seminarian, but yeah, I would like, I'd be in the, I'd be in the papal uh, apartments in the papal palace. And I would just like pull Cardinal Seurat aside and say, Hey, can you do this video with me real quick? <laughs> awesome. Not, yeah. It's so awesome. And I feel like you also like normalized, um, young marriage in the Catholic church and yeah. make it cool. Like I, that's how I remember you, Austin. However many years ago you came knocking in my DMs, um, trying to just talk about how important it is to um, live the Catholic life in a uh, confident way. And you did that. So, well, I will say, I don't remember. She's going to be mad. I say this. I don't remember the first time I communicated with Bridget or that she came up in my worldview but I do remember posting, I, there was a, a, a comment was made back in 2018 about big Catholic families or Catholic families. And somehow I came across Mackenzie's account. And I think Colin had one still at that time. Um, your account of, you know, this newlywed couple, young Marine officer. And I remember posting about that back in 2018 as well. Yeah, you always posted the new, the new um, married couples. I thought that was cool. And just, yeah, and now, and we all are in this world now, it's like, it's very popular to, it's cool to be Catholic now, but it wasn't, it, and if, you know, even my hashtags, thank you, Jesus, were made fun of by my siblings, you know, like that was not cool four years ago. And now I feel like the church has totally come alive um, in the media space. Yeah. A huge part. Thanks to you. I mean, I I remember how I I connected with you, Austin, because I had just got a diocesan job and I was like, I know these accounts can do better, but I I don't know how and I just need direction. And I remember reaching out to a friend of mine who managed an account in the Catholic space that grew pretty rapidly. And I just I said to her, I'm like, how did you do it? Like, how did you? you know, get this Catholic business account from like 500 followers to like 500,000 or whatever they have. And she said, you need to reach out to this guy, the basic Catholic. (laughs) And she just went on and on about how gracious you were with helping, you know, their Catholic family run business and how you would shout them out and stuff. And, and so I was just like, okay, like I want to learn from these people. And so um, it was really cool. And I, we ended up collaborating on some things and, and you helped the, the Diocese of Arlington very much so. Um, so I think that it definitely, I don't know if you call, if you consider it a calling, but I think I, I know from what you've done in, in the little circles that I've been in um, that you've helped other Catholics on social media spread 
whatever they are trying to spread. Do you see it as a ministry or are you just still like, Hey, I'm still just living my life. I think it's more just living my life. I was with a, a friend of the night and we were talking about it because it sometimes comes up in conversation about this stuff. I'm just, you guys both have known me, your, your husbands and I have become very good friends. Like we're, all of us are close. You know, the fact that I'm just a guy, I'm just a normal dude. Uh, and I forget sometimes that this is even a thing. Uh, one, it's because it's been a part of my life now for a number of years. I've met so many good friends because of it. I had so many great opportunities because of it uh, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but for me, one of the things that I really, really try to to set aside, and this is, I, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but this is one area I definitely will toot. I think there's a unfortunate there's an unfortunate side of, of social media where people try to be something they're not. And I think in the Catholic world, especially, there's this sense of like celebrity, right? The celebrity culture. And I always say, if you have to have another name in front of it, so if it's, it's Catholic celebrity, you're not really a celebrity. And I think some people, even if they started with the best intentions, as we know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's this, once someone starts quote unquote making it in this world and it's the social media sphere, they kind of forget about the fact what this is about. It's not about popularizing Jesus for my own benefit. It's about truly uh, bringing people to Jesus Christ. So for example, I, I took my first uh, pilgrimage I led last year in September. Uh, I've been wanting to do it for a number of years, but COVID kept that from happening. We just announced the other day that I'm gonna take another group of people in June to Israel for nine days. And I've had a number of people tell me, how is this trip so cheap? And for me, one of the things I found out is, you know, I, I learned all these things by being involved in the church, not to, you know, throw shade at anybody, but there are a lot of people in the Catholic world who make a lot of money by taking these pilgrimages, which is why the same trip, people, very big name people you would know, they're taking the exact same trip, going to the same hotels, staying the same, everything, and their trip is $3,000 more. It's because people are utilizing this stuff, these platforms to enrich themselves. And I'm Amen. not saying that, and I'm not saying you can't make money on it. I'm not saying you can't prosper in some way, but I do feel there's a, uh, a disconnect on this idea that I want people to come together. And the big impetus for these trips, one is obviously a pilgrimage just to grow closer to Jesus Christ. But the other thing is, one of the things I guess I'm known for is bringing people together. I want to bring people together from around the country to see that they, and make friends of people that they wouldn't otherwise meet. Um, mm -hmm. And I want that to be something that helps our community, our Catholic church grow. I don't want to make, I don't need to make $2,500 on a person to go on this trip to be able to make it beneficial for me. Right. I could, I can give of my, cause remember it's time and talent. It's time, talent, treasure, all those things. Mm -hmm. If I can give a, a side, you know, a couple of days of my life to bring people together, then I've benefited more than, you know, the $60,000 I could have made on a nine day trip. And so I use that as an example that there is this Catholic celebrity culture that I've really tried very mm -hmm. hard to bust. And that I don't, if you, if you're, if you're, if your celebrity status is from the, within the church, then it's not really a celebrity. You do have a mm -hmm. following. So be mindful of that. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's something that's very near and dear to me is just to break down those walls. And I think people are always surprised that I'm relatively um, uh, easily accessible as far as DMS. I try to respond to everybody I can. Um, Sometimes it's a little more stressful than it should be because I, I feel like some people just use me as Catholic Google when they can easily just Google something. 
um, but it's it's uh, yeah. But like going back to it real quick, Bridget, like it is a ministry of sorts, and I do feel it's a ministry because otherwise I wouldn't be doing it anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot of things going on all the time, but I have through this experience, I have I have literally walked with people who have who have debated and and wanted and desired to come into the church, mm-hmm. but didn't know who to go to, who to talk to. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with people who have who are victims of abuse. I have dealt with people who have um, definitely the liturgical abuse thing and around the church, all these things I have seen through this platform. So while it's not always great, uh, there's so many benefits and so much Mm -hmm. grace that comes from it when we give it to God. And Austin, you speak about, you have other things going on, like B and I know what, what that is, but would you mind sharing the beautiful work you're doing um, within the space off of the gram? With real yeah, people. so obviously, yeah. So for me, one of the things that people always are interested by, and I find it fascinating that people are so cared t- at all what I do with my life, I always get the question, what is it you do for a living? And I tell <laughs> people, I, I share a lot of my life. Um, I'm pretty open about a lot of things. There's a few things in my life I just want to keep for myself and those closest to me. And everyone in my life knows if someone's a close friend, they know this is something I don't expect them to ever share with anybody because it's my, my business. Um, I have a very good life. I will say this in my world and what I do, uh, quote unquote, for a living is I am blessed beyond imagination to work with amazing Catholics in all different spheres um, to bring them closer together to each other and there to God. And it has provided me with a a very good uh, life. And the thing for me is that I'm most excited about is that I am given an opportunity to really travel and meet people in ways that I never would be able to do had I had a, a traditional, you know, if I was an accountant per se. Um, and so in that regard, I'm very, very thankful. Um, but I look at my, my life as just a complete outpouring of self. And I talked about it the other day on my account where people ask me all the time, like, Austin, how is it you get to do all these amazing things, go to all these amazing places, meet all these phenomenal people? And my answer is always the same, same thing. Because I'm Catholic, as, yeah. as, a, as easy as that sounds, as a member of the church, an active member of the church, there's not really anything that I can't get access to, anyone I can't meet, anything I can't do, any experience I can't achieve um, because of my brothers and sisters uh, in the shared experience of, of being a Roman Catholic in this day and age. I love that. Okay, so Austin, oh. to wrap this episode up tonight, um, many, many people across the world are going to come into the church. Um, I had never seen an Easter vigil mass actually with catechumens um, until I worked for a diocese and had to cover it. Um, And it's just this beautiful evening um, where Christians become Catholic or, you know, people from different, totally different faiths or atheists become Catholic. Can you um, just recall that night really quickly to wrap up the episode and what it's meant to you to be a part of the Catholic church, the Catholic family for the past 19 years? Yeah. Well, first of all, 19 years, that is a scary thing to think about. That's been 19 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but at uh, Camp Lejeune, the St. Xavier, Francis Xavier Chapel, uh, it was really hot and uh, it was a long spring evening. Um but no, I mean, it is one of the things for me that is so beautiful to watch is people that become Catholic. And I, it's a joke, obviously, people say this, but I think there's some truth to the fact that people say that converts make the best Catholics. Yeah. Um, there, there's something, 
there's something about having to fight for it and having to uh, do a lot of almost work to get there. Not just like, you know, what we've turned into, we've turned uh, confirmation into Eagle Scout projects, but there is another part of it. It is always beautiful to me in the realization that there are a lot of people to become Catholic. They have to really, I don't want to say this, but almost hurt their family or hurt their, their loved ones Mm -hmm. because it's almost, they look at it as a rejection of the way they were raised when it's not that so much as this uh, embracing of what God wants. And there are a lot of people that have to go through some pretty horrific struggles to become Catholic. And I think as Catholics, we can take that for granted. And that's why I get frustrated. I hear people say, well, I wasn't able to make it to mass because, or I wasn't able to do that because Mm -hmm. it's like there are people, let alone like obviously the societal uh, barriers, but even in other parts of the world where it's uh, physical uh, threats of, of one's life or uh, mm. safety because of their connection and their, their desire to be in the church. And today is one of the, I, I, it, today is the holiest day of all days in the Catholic church. Easter vigil um, is the biggest mass there is. Um, and to enter into the church, I've been very blessed to be a sponsor for a number of people over the years or godfather to people, adults becoming Catholic. And there is nothing like it. Um, but that being said, just like with anything, just like with a marriage, everyone's excited on their wedding day or a priest is excited on his ordination day. The same can be said about people that come into the church, that that excitement can can wane over time. And it's always putting ourselves in a place where we can reflect back on that day, that evening or that that moment, that experience to remind ourselves why we took that leap, why we said I do to our spouse why we put our head on, on the marble and, and, and made the promises of, that we did for our vocation as a priest. So I just want to say, like, as someone that has been Catholic for some time now, uh, oh, not a majority of my life yet, but getting close, um, I'm thankful for the fact that God gave me the blessing to be a Roman Catholic and brought me to this point in my life. Because, again, there's very few relationships in my life, very few experiences in my life. Uh, that have not been attributed to the fact that I'm a Catholic. Wow. Yeah, and it reminds me, we we saw, um, Johnny and I saw the Father Stu movie last night, and the parts that you just mentioned about, you know, hurting family, that was definitely a part of the movie, was that when he decided to become Catholic, both of his parents rejected him. And to the point where he was like, I want both of you guys out of my apartment when I get home, because they were trying to talk him out of it you know, becoming a priest and becoming Catholic. So that has to be a reality for people. So um, thank you for the reminder to just keep those people in prayer tonight. Mm-hmm. All of us, you know, who are coming into the church and whatever story they bring with them um, to just give thanks for these awesome individuals who are going to set us on fire. You know, the cradle Catholics need these stories and that's why we wanted to do this series. Um, so thank you, Austin. Thank you for your friendship and thank you for coming on the pod again. Thank you so much. And I don't know, I, I don't think I've actually said this yet, but my requirement and my fee for coming on this podcast is that both of your husbands and I get to go on a trip sometime soon to hang out. <laughs> yeah, you go do your own little uh, pilgrimage. Austin, I need done. some bro time. Done. What is your June pilgrimage? Do you want us to shout that out? Because I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But yes, uh, I have been very blessed to go around the world. And Israel is one of those places, the Holy Land is one of those places yeah. that's very near and dear to my heart. So this one we tried to do a couple times, but because of the the pandemic this is the we israel trip this is the one this, okay this wow. is the one that we're finally doing it so it's the 19th to the 27th of june and it's three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars like gas prices just say four thousand dollars 
is $3,999, which includes airfare to and from. And, and unlike, so real quick, just about that again, I, having been on a lot of trips and pilgrimages, you name it, I wanted to change the way they do those things. So one of the things I said was, I don't like when I've had to go, when I went on these group trips, you have to fly to New York, wait around all day for everyone to get there. Then you meet and then get on a plane to go fly somewhere else in the world. So the way we're doing it is there's a number of departure cities you can leave from. Airfare includes that. Uh, and then we don't meet up as a group until you get to, uh, to Israel. So it makes it, I think it's easier that way. Um, but that includes everything except lunch, really. And a couple other, like if you have odd men, souvenirs, things like that. But that's all inclusive. And so it may sound like a lot of money, but this type of trip for that cost. And we have the same tour guide while we're there as Scott Hahn uses. So that gives you oh, that's an awesome. idea. Yeah. I think you can't put a price tag on these experiences. And um, even though our retreats might be a little cheaper than a pilgrimage, they still are a higher price point than like a church retreat. And so we we try to tell women that this is, you, you can't like, put a price on an experience with other people who are chasing the right things. I mean, you will leave and it will continue to uh, bear fruit in your life. So, I mean, I hope one day when our babies are older, I can go on a pilgrimage. If you keep doing them, Austin, I will come on yours. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never left an experience like a retreat or a trip like this and said, Hey, that was a waste of money. Well, I, so just real quick, when we were supposed to go to Israel last September, I had a, a very small window that I could take a trip. And then we found out like three weeks before the trip that Israel was going back on lockdown again and you had to be fully vaccinated to go. And I don't want to do the whole vax, unvax. I don't want to deal with all that. So I pivoted last minute to, the, to Italy and I opened it up. I said, our, at the time, the company that we use, uh, Nativity Pilgrimage is the absolute best. Use them for everything. They are hands down the biggest best that there is. I love them. Um, but they said that there's no way we can get in third in less than three weeks, 30 people minimum. Cause I, part of my going, I don't take a fee is I wanted a number of my friends to come with. So I took Cecilia, Mary Lenneberg, um, and a couple in, uh, Elizabeth Santorum, Mark Lini. I took a number of those people and an amazing priest with, so we had to pay for their portion. So there was a 30 person minimum to go on the trip. Right. And they said, but it's unheard of to be able to sell out three weeks. And people have to pay full price. Um, um, well, that being said, we ended up not only selling out 30 people because they had to pay full price right away, not installments over time. We ended up selling 54 seats on our Italy trip. Wow. And we took 54 people to Italy. And it was one of those things where it was very stressful on my end. Uh, I didn't really, I, I, again, I'm just a normal guy. So I don't expect people want to come and hang out with me. So that was kind of something I had to realize. But the, the cool thing happened on that trip that I really, really, really wanted, my desire was people met each other from all around the country. And I'm not kidding when I say so many best friends came out of that trip. Oh, that's the best oh. part of these trips. I can attest to that. So it can be. It's like who you meet and you never forget those distinct reversion moments on these trips when you were taken out of your day-to-day -day life and just thrown into a pilgrimage, thrown in front of the, in front of Jesus in these beautiful churches that are, you know, have been around for centuries. Like that is when you see what's most important in your life mm -hmm. and connect with these incredible people who you would not, Austin, you said this earlier, who you would have not met otherwise. So. Oh yeah. And just like, even like you guys, we wouldn't have become friends had it not been through social media. 
Uh, and the same thing. So the last part I will say, I keep saying last part. The last part I'll say is I've, I've over the last few years, I think I might've even told Bridget this at one point, there's, I call it the three, the three uh, movements of the modern day when it comes to evangelization and relationships. And it's the virtual, the physical and the transcendent is that in this social media world, we do meet each other virtually. Like the first time all of us met or knew of each other was through our screens, which is not real, but you can have a pretty decent relationship in our day and age from our generation uh, with people you don't meet physically. But a relationship, that's not enough to be that virtual relationship. The second movement is the physical. It's actually meeting each other and spending time together in the quality thing. But the third and final movement of it is the transcendent, is the fact that if the relationship is just we get along and we hang out, that's not enough and that's not a fulfillment of that relationship. The fullness of the relationship is moving towards the transcendent, towards the divine. It's that the, the fact that we move each other towards God, that's the ultimate. And so part of the thing with, with pilgrimages or even what you guys do with your retreats is bringing that physical mm-hmm. connection to people yeah. that then moves it, that moves it to God. Yeah. It can't just be social media. I don't think, um, or, you know, these online platforms, which is a vehicle to get people in person. So we have to use the tools, but Ken's and I have said this so many times. We've had people be like, you don't make money on these events. Why do you do them? Like do virtual, like everyone else. And we just can't bring ourselves to become a virtual retreat mm-hmm. platform because we believe so strongly in the powering of, of like in-person connection, in-person prayer together. You can't get the Holy spirit in a group chat together. Like it's only going to happen in a room, you know? So I think having both and you do that so well, Austin. So thank you for your witness and just thank you for everything you're doing right now. Um, online and also offline in the real world. Amen. Thanks, Thank God. you so much. Happy Easter, guys. Almost Easter. Happy Easter. Can't wait. Woo-hoo. Happy almost Easter. Thanks for listening to Unraveled Podcast. To stay a part of the conversation, follow us on Instagram at Unraveled Podcast or on Spotify at The Unraveled Podcast. Thanks for listening.